Welcome to the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast with psychologist Dr. Doreen Downing. Listen in as Doreen interviews people who felt they didn't have a voice or who suffered extreme speaking anxiety. You'll hear stories about how they struggled to speak up, what they did to find their authentic voice, and the confidence they now feel to speak up and make an impact. If you want to get started right away to find your voice, download Doreen's free 7-Step Guide to Fearless Speaking at Doreen7Steps.com. And now, here is Doreen. Hi, this is Dr. Doreen Downing, and I am host of the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast. I invite guests to share life stories about how they didn't have a voice and what was the journey that they took to find it. And in sharing journeys, these life journeys, I feel like we get to learn more about what it takes to be more of ourselves in this world. I mean, this world is not necessarily an easy one to navigate. (laughs) And especially when people have challenges, it becomes even more difficult. So today, I am so excited. Sheldon, you are from Canada, and we get to talk to you all the way down here in California. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. I really appreciate you asking me to be here. Yes, well, I know you have a story, and it's um, there's a wonderful bio you sent me, but basically I just know that it has something to do with your physical disability called, and you will help me with the arthro, you, tell me the name, how do I say it? Arthrogryposis. Thank you. But just to inform the listeners right away, it's uh, it causes muscle atrophy and contractions at most joints and leaves him unable to crawl. And as a child, doctors believed he would never walk. And as a child, he had braces on both legs and a bar between both shoes. And by sliding along the wall, Sheldon learned to walk and he had to sit on his on his bottom and bop his way down the stairs. Now that visual Sheldon is so powerful because that immediately shows people that uh, you came from a situation of total, which isn't total, but you know, really not like any, any of us who are born in a natural sort of way, we're walking around, you were challenged. And I'm, I'm laughing, not laughing, but I'm excited. <laughs> I'm smiling because you, you're just really got to be an inspiration for what it takes to uh, grow up in a world like this and find your voice. And now being <clears throat> Um, I don't know, just all of your your great um, accomplishments. And there's so many here that you've included. Um, you were in a documentary, Dale Carnegie Human Relations Award. Um, seven years, you were on a you were on Stella's Circle Inclusion Choir, and you're currently vice president of education at an online Toastmasters. You know, it's just Ah, you take my breath away, my dear. So um, let's just launch into a little bit now more. Uh, you came into this world, you showed <clears> us, <throat> I just read what that situation was like. So mm-hmm. emotionally, um, tell us tell us more about what, what that was for you growing up. Well, 
Thank you for such a lovely introduction there. Um, yeah, I was born with a physical disability called arthrogryposis, which does affect my muscles and joints and ligaments. Like, for, I'm physically unable to raise my arms any higher than right here. This is as high as my arms will go. Um, so, when I was younger, the doctor gave me surgery on my arms or the, because I was born with two straight arms. Like, I have no bicep muscles. It's not that they're not built up, I have no bicep muscles. Um, so, the doctor gave me surgery when I was like three years old on my right arm um, to always be bent because I cannot straighten there. Because so that I'd be able to brush my teeth, wash my face, mm-hmm. eat, my, eat my meals, whatever, and keep the other arm straight mm-hmm. so that I'd be able to open the door, carry bags, groceries, whatever. Um, so being a small, the only person who lived in a very small town of only 300 people, um, I was the only person there with a physical disability. Mm-hmm. And it was in the 1970s before people were open, more, more open-minded than what they currently are. The, the, the way people look at things back then is, okay, if you had a disability, you, you couldn't do anything. Yes. You know, um, that's the way it was in small town, especially in small town where I'm from, Newfoundland, Canada. Um, but I, I believe it's the same in all small towns. Um, so, and they have no brothers and no sisters to them support me or to help me out with anything. I had to be independent. It wasn't only my disability. It was um, also the fact that my father was an alcoholic, and he and he used to come drunk quite often and take um is he used to take advantage of my mother um, sexually, and um, I could hear her crying out in her bedroom. It was more than a few times I actually went out to stop him, and um, he would just throw me against the wall, and and most often in my entire childhood i would hear my father saying oh you'll never be anything besides a disabled welfare fund i would be better off if you were never born now he would say it. he would actually say a different different tone of voice than that but yeah yeah Um, an aggressive one and a one filled with disdain it feels like as i listen to you and um especially with alcohol that brings out some meanness in people Yes, yes. And my, and my mother, because she didn't feel like she had any control in her relationship, she would take her um, frustrations and anger out on me by beating, by beating me with the belt um, quite often and making sure to, to steal metal part would hit me harder and harder every time. And because I had no brothers and sisters, she would compare me always to my cousins. Um, for example, if, even if I received 80% on an exam, they get 85. She would beat me and she would say, why can't you be more like them? Why can't you be more like them? Why were you born with a disability? You know? Um, so that's the kind of way I was treated. Oh, I just, before we go on, I just want to take that and absorb that in because it feels like here you are, such a beautiful gift into this world. And they both felt like you were um, not totally unwanted. and. Mm-hmm especially with the disability, if they um, they just took on that they could abuse you, misuse mm-hmm. you, and because of um, uh, not. So that's, that's an example of not being loved, mm-hmm. isn't it? Oh. It is. It is. It is. So 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to have a voice, and most often in my life, life growing up, when I'm going through all of that, I heard kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. I mean, I, I know a lot of people just after hearing the same type of thing. Um, mostly everybody, probably. Um, but that's what I've heard more all my life, and anytime I, I didn't allow myself to have friendships because of the way things were in the family behind closed doors. I was afraid, you know, to saying loose, loose lips and ships. Um, I was, I was afraid to allow myself to have friendships because I was afraid it might slip out the way things were, and it would definitely come back on me when I got home. Um, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I didn't, well, I, I didn't I, develop, I didn't really develop communication skills. You know. Uh-huh. Totally isolated. It feels like in yeah. in growing up and and socialization is so important yeah mm-hmm. school and education but it is a place where we learn to uh, how to relate to other people and and uh, you were in a situation where obviously such difference was pretty <laughs> noticeable and mm-hmm. uh, i imagine that people avoided you mm-hmm. they, they, they often did well they always did always yeah they often did um, because I wasn't nice to be around. I, I had, because of what I was going through, I wasn't nice to be around because I was being defensive. I was lashing out at people because I didn't have no control in my family relationship. So, um, uh-huh. so I was like, I wasn't being, I wasn't probably nice to be friends with. Well, you know how we, yeah. when we grow up, our parents are models of how we yeah. learn to be in the world and our own behavior is often <laughs> modeled after them. And with having angry, abusive kind of mm-hmm. people who you're, who you're surrounded by, you don't really understand what compassion and love is at first, but you, you had your journey. You must have learned because you're out in the world now, really. Yes sharing something that's going to help people and make a difference so what what was the change for you what was the transformation what was the journey well the journey was um i was 18 years old when i um was forced out of my hometown my mother said you can't live with us anymore you're like you're coming home drunk all the time i started having double uh, double addictions actually i was uh, um, a big time alcoholic um and i was also into drugs it was uh, that's what I used as my escape, as what I used as my um, way to numb the mental pain yeah. of um, what I stuff I dealt with my childhood. So um, I moved to another town to go to go to college, actually, and I lived there for about seven years. And I don't remember six days. I don't remember people talking about blackouts for a couple hours. I had a six year, seven year blackout. I don't remember being there. But you went to to school. Yeah, I went to actually two different colleges, and I graduated with honors in Boulder Dolls. Yeah, and I don't even—I don't even remember being in class. Wow! And here you are, a full-blown alcoholic, going to school and getting uh, honors. Yeah, (laughs) that says something about your brain, my dear, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I—I ran into yes, it does. I ran into one of the instructors, um, professors, years later, and I said. Did you like feel pity on me? Did you like did you just give me the grades? Yeah. And they said no. What it was is that yes, every time you came to school, you were you were probably hungover or what or and every day day you left school, you'd go straight to the club to the bar. But as you were, re- you always had your book open in front of you. 
Uh-huh. As the alcohol was going in, the knowledge was, even if it was only long enough for me to stay, to stay there to write an exam the next day. And, you know, so they said, no, you're always take your books open. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how that's how I managed to get through college. And um, yeah. so I, I managed to survive through that. Still on my own, still still struggling, and I'm is either I stay in that place and drink myself to death, or I um get a way to get to the capital city of the province where I'm living, where do where's addiction treatment centers and actually my mother was living there, so I came to I actually had to walk the entire distance because nobody I didn't have, I didn't drive myself and I didn't have no money for transportation because I was after li- living on the streets I was after eating donuts off sidewalks and so it was a struggle it was a part of my journey you know and but I always had hope I always had hope I always knew that I had to be here for a reason there's a reason why I'm here I wasn't just born to be tortured I wasn't just you know there's a purpose for me to be here Nice. And I I, I discovered what it was. I like hearing that uh, there was an inner Mm. voice, you know, because that's what we're talking about today is voice. And there's something that uh, you carried inside of you that sounds like it was a voice Mm. that spoke to you about hope. Yes. There's always hope. Um, You got to have hope. I I believe you got to have hope because people say, what do you have without hope? It's like, well, I discovered the answer. The answer to what do you have without hope is nothing. You have nothing without hope. Yeah. Um, so I always tried my best, even when I was sleeping in the ditches, even when I was sleeping in the ditch and using a rock as a pillow. Um, I managed to still say, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Tomorrow's something is my something's going to be good soon, someday. Um, so I just always kept that inside me. And that's what I, what I used as my inner voice to help me to today to have my outer voice. Great. I'm so glad that uh, hope was a voice that spurred you forward and kept you going. Uh, What would you say was maybe, I don't know, it might not have been a moment as such, but you actually got through the alcoholism and you know started recovery i guess you might call mm-hmm. it or change towards uh some transformation to who you are today what right. what was the beginning of that do you think well the beginning <clears throat> well the beginning the beginning the exact beginning well i'm not sure yeah. it's like one day <clears throat> but maybe it was some people have a aha moment but sometimes it's a, a process Right, right. It was to me. It was just a gradually building process. Like I got so tired of just going to the clubs and the bar and like ordering or ordering drinks and just. There's been times I just pushing it back. I don't want it. I need it. I don't want it. I need it. I don't want it. I need it. You know, to the bartender, it's like are you going. You've got to pay for. It? Are you going to drink it or are you just going to leave it there? You know. Um, but so that was the beginning. Is like it just came to the point that I was actually. Um, when I moved to the bigger city and I went to the addiction treatment center, it was more than just addiction treatment center. It was actually a life skills um, component to it as well, where it helped you feel self-esteem, self-confidence, get better, feel better about yourself and overcome past traumas. And mm-hmm. so I went there and it was, hmm, where was I going to see? I got my story all figured out in my head. 
And I wanted to tell you today that it's always possible to keep going forward because keeping keeping on walking is what led me through that that trauma program to know that I was supposed to go to addiction treatment center across the province to another place. Actually, it was a living just um, alcohol addiction treatment. The, the bus came to my door to pick me up, and I canceled my appointment. <laughs> I canceled my appointment. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Uh-huh. And three months later, um, I scheduled again. And this time, I was going to. I was going to cancel again, but a bright light flashed through my bedroom window. I like it just through my bedroom, a whole bedroom just lit right up. And the song by the Beatles, Let It Be, um, came on the radio. My radio was not, I, even this is all these years later, over 20 years later, I still say my radio was not plugged in. My radio was not plugged in. And the song Let It Be by the Beatles came out. Oh. oh. I, you know, Let It Be, there will, there will be an answer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then Miracle. Was, You're talking miracles, uh, aren't you? That, that was at the same time. That, that, that was at the same time that the bright light flashed through my window. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Um, finally, 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 your time. Yeah. Wow. The bus showed up and I haven't been drinking. I haven't been back to my addictions since. Uh-huh. So I continued on with um, the, the, the program, the, the life skills program. And years later, years afterwards, I received a phone call. So we're having our annual general meeting. How would you like to come and um, give a talk? I'm going to talk. I'm not going to talk about it. I didn't know to talk about it. And they were like, well, you know, you have. You, all the struggle that you've been through in your life, and you see, even, even though you're not exactly where you want to be right now, you're after coming so far that you definitely got a story to share. Yeah. So that's my first ever um, public speaking. A standing ovation. I got a double standing ovation. <laughs> People, you know, um, and everybody approached me afterwards, telling me how much they appreciated what I had to say. I then two people actually approached me and said that they were going to actually commit suicide before they actually heard my cock. And not two people at the same time, but And so I, I actually saved two lives that day mm-hmm. um, through my story. And that gave me the motivation and the desire to keep going. So your voice now, I, I loved what you said a, a few minutes ago, which is part of, you know, the, the kind of idea of walking and when the when you entered in as a in this world as a child, not able to walk, and then what you did with the braces and mm-hmm. you know, and today the the walking feels like it comes through in the talking mm-hmm. and your voice. And so thank you for uh, being willing to share all those details and to help us see what a major transformation you have gone through and that that first time when you stood up to speak, and even though you weren't as fully developed as you are now around what you offer, it it feels like the universe, or you know, you got the mm-hmm. message. People people are impacted by your your life, your mm-hmm. life story. Yeah. So uh, today, what are you? How are you? What are you doing? Speaking, and how mm-hmm. do people find you? What is? Right, what right. What are you up to nowadays? <laughs> well, I've done quite a few speaking um, gigs since then, and I've wrote, written a book actually and published it. And funny enough, the name of my book is "Keep on Walking: A yeah. Transformative and Inspirational Journey." Yes. So, is is really is really coincidence that that's the kind of things that we're talking about, and 
There's more than one reason why it's called Keep On Walking. One part of it was because the doctors told me I, I proved the doctors wrong. Because the doctors said I might never be able to walk on my own. Um, but another thing is, is the particular way of saying, well, I mean, I, I'm not able to climb a mountain, but I'm able to walk around a mountain. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or just to keep on walking. The only way to get through any troubles is to walk, is to go through them. Yes. What a message. What a message. And I like that it's not necessarily, well, this is how you do it. It's Mm. it's more about what I get from you. It's a it's a a deeper kind of message around a belief that you know, whatever it takes, you can. We're not giving we're not giving more than what we can handle. That's what I believe. We're not giving more than what we can handle. We might not know how to handle it right now, Mm -hmm. but everybody handle everybody handles things differently. Yes. So it, I don't, and I want to profess, oh, take this step and this step and do this, do this. Do this. That might work for me, <clears throat> but might not might not work for you. So, I mean, one, there's no set rules to say this is what you need to do in order to get where you want to go. Yes. That is such a profound and lovely way to say it, I think. And that people who are listening today, <laughs> it, it's like, Oh, it's something about believing in what we can do, not necessarily we got to go out and do it this way. And so I get that from you. Thank you for sharing here today. How do people find you? What's the people find me through? Well, my website is currently being redesigned, so it's not very available, but I'm on I'm on every social platform. You can find me, Sheldon Arrows Crocker, on Facebook. You can email me, Sheldon S. Crocker at gmail.com so that's a few different ways and we'll have all those links in our show notes and you'll uh, people will be able to uh, get a link to your book also i'm sure keep on walking it must be on amazon it is on amazon great okay that's another another way that people can learn more about you and how to connect it's um it's actually on special is that you become special right now so and I got the price lower. And I also got a, I also got a, a actually teaching a course as well. I, I, got a, I got an online course available that um on mastermind.com. So you find my name and you find that platform, you can find my program. Look at you grow. <laughs> yes. Thank so. you. Thank you so much, Sheldon, for taking time to come on today and uh, give a lot of hope to those who are listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person during interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.